The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, meet a different Mary Magdalene, one who is real and relevant to our times. In 1988, host Beth Green was inspired to write the autobiography of Mary Magdalene. Told to the author on the night of her death, this is a gut-wrenching first-person account of a woman who confronted extreme hardships, sexual abuse, discrimination, and the painful realities of her times, and who transcended anger and despair through scrupulous self-honesty. Her story is our story. Today, we interview Lynn Helix and Annette Hughes from the Stream Women's Group, which is offering a healing arts theater production of the book in January. They will share how the book has transformed them, and Beth will speak about the process of writing it. Fact or fiction, you will see the truth of yourself in Mary Magdalene. Man or woman, you will relate. So let's heal together from our own pain, and let's reframe our views of Jesus and the crucifixion, so we may help release the earth from 2,000 years of shame and blame. Perhaps Mary will join us. You can call in or email Beth with your questions. And now, here is your host, Beth Green, from the Inside Out. Hi, everybody. Uh, Merry almost Christmas. For many of you, when you hear this, it will be Christmas or just afterwards. Uh, here we are today, and it's a beautiful sunny day in Southern Oregon. <laughs> it's been so cold. It's been a white Christmas, and now that Christmas is coming, the uh, this ice and snow have melted, and I don't miss it a bit. <laughs> I'm very happy to see the sun. It makes me feel good, and it, feel, it makes me feel great to be with you today. This feels like a very special time of year. Um, you know, Christmas, uh, I guess, you know, can carry a real spiritual quality to it. Last week, we had a great show where we interviewed Helen Hillocks de Santo, and we talked about how to deal with the holidays and blues and anger and envy and anxiety and uh, getting out of all of that. And I hope that many of you listened to that show and I hope that you benefited from it. As we go forward, now we're going to be taking a look at another side of Christmas, which is the sacred side. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. Um, you know, any kind of spiritual holiday can touch every one of us. So I'd like to first share with you a comment that we got on uh, to our last show from someone who, in fact, I was supposed to read this last time, but I, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so uh, it was from a woman named Sandy, and I believe she lives in Atlanta, but I'm not sure. Anyway, she said uh, there was a comment that she wanted to offer. And this is her way of dealing with the holiday craziness. She said, my brother and I decided years ago to make a donation together instead of buying each other presents. 
My other friends and family members make donations instead of buying me gifts too. Though I'm happy to shop for those who share with me what they like, I don't need any more stuff. So to me, this is a more sustainable way of looking at the holiday gift tradition. My nieces are creative and took it even a step further. When getting a donation on Hyper International, instead of donating a goat or a cow, they donated hives of bees because they provide food, but they won't be eaten. A thoughtful donation that this vegetarian hadn't considered. <laughs> I look forward to hearing you on the podcast, Sandy Fry. So thank you, Sandy. What a great comment and a great thought. Uh, another way of celebrating the holidays. So I'm going to get immediately into the subject of Mary Magdalene and the autobiography of Mary Magdalene today. Um, it seems so perfect to talk about Mary Magdalene and this book as we come into Christmas because there's quite a lot of uh, focus, of course, on gift giving and some focus on Jesus, a little focus on God, and just a very small amount of focus on Mary Magdalene. (laughs) But many people are actually interested in who she was. Now, I don't even know if Mary Magdalene existed in a historical sense. But all I can tell you is one day, oh, it was about 1988, I would say, I woke up and I heard a voice in my head, which happens to me frequently, and it said, Beth, you are going to write the autobiography of Mary Magdalene. And I said, well, but I haven't even read the New Testament. And I heard, that's why you're going to write the book. So uh, obviously, whatever level of consciousness was speaking to me and through me really wanted me to be a blank slate and have no opinions about Jesus, the crucifixion, Mary Magdalene, or any of the rest of it, and not be influenced by the traditional stories, so that I could bring forward another perspective. Now, again, to me, it really doesn't matter whether there was a Mary Magdalene or not, and it doesn't even matter whether that Mary Magdalene, if she existed historically, was speaking to me. But some Mary Magdalene started speaking to me because or some energy or consciousness started to speak through me because I sat down and this book came out almost word for word for uh, the way it is now. Um, and when I say almost word for word, I think that I may have changed one word, and that was because the publisher that I was working with at the time was a little freaked out when it said that uh, Mary, uh, the mother of, quote, uh, mother of Jesus, had already had children. So I said, okay, I'll take that out. <laughs> so, but every everything out just came out like someone was talking to me. That's my favorite way to write a book. You know, I've written the many books, and uh, most of them, except for Living with Reality, have been written that way. So it just kind of comes out. That's the way this one was. And it was an absolutely fascinating process and journey. Because it would be flowing through me and I would be madly taking dictation, dictation. And then all of a sudden, it would just dry up and I didn't know why. And I would go out with my dear friend, Helen, who has been on the show several times, wonderful marriage and family therapist, intuitive counselor. And we would walk in the woods and we'd say, what's blocking the flow of this book? And we would do some processing and talk to Mary Magdalene or whoever it was that was uh, 
coming through. And uh, something would she would say, well, Beth, I, I have to tell you, I lied to you. Or uh, I wasn't exactly accurate about this point or other. And then we'd ask her why, and she would talk about it. We'd clear it up, and all of a sudden, the book was flowing again. I mean, it was amazing. It was like doing therapy. And uh, what where I would go when I actually wrote it in the book, I'd go back and I'd sit down, and, and it would begin with, well, Beth, I think I wasn't completely honest with you about this. And she would go on, and... She would keep speaking. So the format of the book, it's a very small book, by the way, uh, small in terms of pages. It's 99 pages. Um, it, was, it was that she was speaking to me on the night of her death, which, of course, we know was many thousands of years ago. But in my world, it was in, uh, sometime in 1987. And what struck me about this book and this story is how much Mary Magdalene is a symbol of all of us, especially us women. I, I listened to her and I said, my God, that's me and that's me and that's me. You know, when she talked about sexual abuse, we did a, the very first healing arts theater production we ever did many years ago. I would say it was back in the early 90s, was a, a theatrical production of uh, monologues from this book. And there were men in the audience who were in tears because they identified with her struggle and her pain, you know, her abuse or her sexual abuse and who she was and how she became an abuser and all of the above. But on top of that, Mary Magdalene tells a very, very interesting story of the crucifixion, her perspective on it, and how she saw Jesus and his trying to be the savior of the planet. And she was so angry and she really questioned his behavior in a very uh, poignant way. And uh, she came through this process, you know, full of anger and pain. And she just talked about that. And as she cleared all of that, you could also see that she was doing something vitally important for our planet, which was releasing the earth from the shame and blame of the crucifixion. That instead of shaming humanity, for the crucifixion. Oh, it wasn't the Jews and it wasn't the Romans and it wasn't the people. How she talks about how this came about and what Jesus' role was in it. And it just felt like a purging of an ancient shame. And I have been a spiritual teacher for over 33 years now. And I have been taught that shame is not a way to teach people. That shame can have a momentary value. It makes you feel like, uh-oh, I'm doing something wrong. And then you let it go. It's there to give you information. It's not there to make you feel shame forever and ever and ever to feel bad about yourself. And it's just to give us a sense, mm, I'm doing something wrong. that's wrong, that's hurting myself or other people. And so that constant litany of shame around Easter particularly, but always comes up around Jesus that he died for our sins and all of that stuff, just casts a kind of a dark pall over the whole earth, and it brings a negativity around the beautiful story of um, a human being who strove to walk a path that was godly in our sense of, um, you know, caring and love and caring for others and that story. So 
that is why this book is also part of releasing the earth from the shame and blame of the crucifixion. So that part is a very interesting story. And then her story goes on after she uh, loses Jesus and it talks more about her. And towards the end of the show today, I'm going to read you a, a part of this book that just makes me cry every time I read it. And even though I kind of quote wrote the book, this book makes me cry because it's so heartfelt and so touching. And uh, it's there will be this section in the end where she talks about her vision for the earth and wanting to come back. So please stay with us as we bring to life the autobiography of Mary Magdalene through the contributions of Annette Hughes and Lynn Hillocks, who are both members of the women's uh, group of the stream. And they're going to tell you later on in the show about the uh, retreat that's coming up and what the Healing Arts Theater is all about. But first, I'd like to introduce you to them. So, Annette, are you with us? Hi. How are you? Oh, very good, Annette. It's great to hear you. And Lynn, are you with us? Good afternoon. I'm here. Oh, wonderful. Well, Lynn has been with us before, and she did such a great job. We just had to have her come back. And um, Annette, this is her first time on Inside Out, but she did play Mary Magdalene in a healing arts theater production of the autobiography of Mary Magdalene some years ago uh, in California. And so she's very connected to the book. And so um, welcome both of you to this very special Inside Out where we are bringing a more uh, healing and gentle energy into the celebration of Christmas than maybe some of us have been feeling lately with all the helter-skelter. So let's start with you, Annette, since you played Mary Magdalene at one time um, in monologues from this book. How have you been impacted by being connected to this Mary Magdalene, this different Mary Magdalene, uh, a wonderfully, very, very spiritual woman, and uh, a woman who, by the way, was very close to Jesus, according to her own autobiography. How have you been impacted by this Mary Magdalene? Hmm, that's a good question. You know what, when I think of Mary Magdalene and my experience of connecting to her, I think of her strength and her perseverance and her... Uh, willingness to let go of her righteousness and uh, have um, embraced self-honesty. Yes. And um, I think that has been inspirational for me. Yes, she's so gut-wrenchingly honest about her (laughs) own part in everything. I mean, she ends up, first she's furious with Jesus, and in the end she makes amends. And uh, she tells us things about herself that were very hard for her to say. So I was inspired by that, too. Now, Lynn... And on her yes. deathbed, and on her deathbed, no doubt. So she, she allows herself to be more honest and more honest and more honest, which is very inspiring. <laughs> That's a very good point. And so we should be. But hopefully we'll do that before we die. And Lynn, I'd like to ask you, you're the uh, the leader of the women's group that's putting on this production. It's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, aside from your delightful personality um, and wonderful radio presence. So welcome. How have you been impacted 
by the Mary Magdalene in this book? You know, Beth, as I was listening to you uh, doing your introduction, and you were saying how you, what, but I have never read the New Testament. And I was thinking back over my life uh, as an atheist, and I was always trying to collect more and more and more and more information about Jesus and the Bible to reaffirm my atheism. Mm. But I never thought of the human beings in the Bible. And this book really brought to me the fact that Mary Magdalene was a human being. Mm-hmm. And she had all of these experiences for real. It's not just a fable in a book. So the book really, really, you know, tells of a real person. And I thought so much about my own mother. And she was kind of a rebel in the 50s and struck out on her own without men and had to make her own way. And, you know, Mary was like that. She had so few choices at that time to make a living for herself independent of men. So she took the the path that she could and um, really became an independent person. That is very true. And the path she took was a little bit different from the way she's traditionally seen as being. Even the, the part about her being a prostitute was so fascinating because I know there are people who, today who say, well, they don't think Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. I don't know. See, I'm not trying to argue any of that. This is the book that came through. But she was not only a prostitute on the streets, but she ended up being in a, 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 a kind of a sacred spiritual place where in, women could be independent, but they were also courtesans, which was their way of earning money. And a very, very interesting story of the way they attain power in the society. And it gave you a, a fascinating glimpse into the whole society. So we're going to come back and talk about all of that in a moment. But I'd like to share something with you before our break about, this is from the beginning of the book, when she says, I'm afraid I'm making a mistake telling you of my life, committing myself to a story, a formulation that will pretend to encompass that which cannot be contained in words. Till this day, no one has been able to get that from me, a story that others will inevitably set in stone, a story that will be told and retold, a story that pretends to be true. But I need, I ache to make peace with God before I die. So I am committing myself here to telling you the truth as I understand it, the truth of my life and my world. And by the truth, I don't mean the facts, because too many facts blur the truth. I love that line. I've never forgotten that line since it came through my fingers. Too many facts blur the truth. And as she goes on, she says, and by the truth, I don't mean the facts, because too many facts blur the truth. No, I mean the truth from the inside. What I know, what I saw, what I felt. Yes, and isn't that really the truth? Don't we all walk around with this inner vision of what we are experiencing, which is much more profoundly important than all the stories that we ever tell. So we are going to be going to commercial break in just a few seconds, and I ask you to open your heart to meet Mary Magdalene. She may or may not show up today. It depends on you, I think. <laughs> 
but she's already shown up through this book. And don't go away. We will return and interview Lynn and Annette. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome, everyone. So we are talking about the autobiography of Mary Magdalene, it happens to have been written by Beth Green or channeled by Beth Green, but that's not why we're talking about this book. We're talking about the essence of this fascinating woman. And I'd like to ask you, Annette, first to share with us a passage from the book that really impacted you. I know there are many, many, but which, which one comes to mind? Oh, boy. That's, there are many, and I, I, I just wanted to add to what um, Lynn said about yes. the book really allowing Mary Magdalene to be real and three-dimensional, because I think that um, was really part of the benefit of reading this book, is that she does become a real person. Yes, and the fascinating characters in her <laughs> life, oh my yes. God. Yes, yeah. that's true. The people right. that she Not just met. Jesus, all these other characters. That's for her life was a journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if this sounds right to you. Um, I'm not really clear on what I should be reading. Uh, I, I thought it was that I don't have it right in front of me. You might want to give me a couple seconds here because uh, I'm still... I lost my page. Oh, okay. What about you, Lynn? Are you ready? I am ready. Oh, right. I, I got guided right to my page, which I'm very grateful for. Okay. Okay. Jesus lacked detachment. He wasn't willing to allow people to suffer the consequences of their actions. Many betrayed him, and he knew they would, yet always he tried to protect them. Many used him 
and he knew they did, yet always he allowed them to do so. You wanted to be the Savior, Jesus, and you didn't care the cost or who bore it. And the biggest cost of your desire to be Savior was the crucifixion. I hate you for the crucifixion, the great drama where you waited expectantly for men to set aside their fears of you. It was all arrogance, arrogance that caused you to be shocked when the masses abandoned you and your friends deserted you. Arrogance to think they would put you before themselves, that they were ready to transcend their fear because of your need. Arrogance to think they should. Hmm. Yeah, I, that hits between the eyes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, and, you know, and Jesus being the ultimate codependent, Mary Magdalene was not codependent. She didn't <laughs> think that, that she could save everybody. No, she didn't. No, that, you know, that's such an important point that she's making because how many of us have done that? You know, I sacrifice for you and then I expect you to be able to transcend, transcend your own limitations. And that's not the deal. You know, the deal is that I need to do what I need to do because I need to do it and really not have an expectation that that will transform you or that that will show up in your behavior in any way. And, I mean, this is like every mother. <laughs> I'm sure you identified with that. V- very much so. Annette, do you identify with that passage? No. Well, it's funny because that's the passage I wanted to read. And for oh, some my. reason, I lost it on my pa- a page because I just, I, I thought I could see her, um, her anger at Jesus and for what he was trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And um, she even says, you know, you wanted to be the savior, Jesus, and you didn't care who it, co- who it cost or, or um, who bore it. Yes. And and at what cost? And I connect to that as a mother because I think there are many times where I try to be the savior and I don't care at what cost or who's bearing it. Well, it's so true because when we're caught up in that role ourselves, we're thinking that we're the ones who are bearing the cost. We're not actually realizing that, you know, our loved ones are suffering too. If I overwork, for example... I, uh, I'm going to be exhausted and then I expect everybody else to pick up the pieces, don't I? <laughs> you yeah. know, I want, I want James to take care of me, make me dinner, uh, you know, make me feel better because I've, o- I've overdone it, you know, in my, uh, in my arrogance and whatever role that I'm taking. And that's so easy for a healer to do. Uh, anybody who's a healer, and to get caught up in that and all the expectations that go along with that. So I'm, I'm so glad that you have read that passage, Lynn, and I think it's also fascinating that Annette was thinking of the same thing. Obviously, mm-hmm. Annette, mm-hmm. you were blocked because Lynn was supposed to read it. Mm. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, so is something else coming to you, uh, Annette? Well, I don't... I... I, I... I don't know if she read the paragraph that says, and the biggest cost of your desire to be the Savior was the crucifixion. Yes, she did. Well, that's still coming to me for some reason, because I, like you said at the beginning of the show, we're talking about the crucifixion, and I was raised a Catholic, and what a symbol as a young child the crucifixion was in the church. We, Mm -hmm. I went to this church that had a 30-foot 
crucifixion hanging above the altar, mm. you know, with a crown of thorns and the blood dripping from Jesus. As, and as a child, um, looking at that violent, disturbing image at a, in a sacred temple, it was uh, just, dis- I, I didn't know how to absorb it. I didn't know what to do with it and what a symbol that has been for a lot of people, the crucifixion. And you spoke about it, um, Beth, about shame. Yeah. The shame yeah. we feel. Right. Or people who are trying to imitate Christ, allowing themselves to be crucified. I mean, to me, that's such a violation of human beings to, to put yourself through that, thinking that that's really going to change anything on the planet. I mean, that, that really doesn't. Uh, it it's kind of horrifies me, too. I'm glad you said that because I know a lot of impressionable children uh, have that experience of being damaged by that as being an image of what spirituality is about, rather than all the rest of Jesus' message about, uh, you know, what you do unto the least of my brethren, you do unto me, or that kind of thing, which is really about caring for one another. That's a very different message, isn't it? It is. Yes, I'd also like to share, if I may. Please. Yes, uh, as a man, I've been very struck at how Mary Magdalene has been maligned uh, in the ways she's been depicted in the Bible and in the various movies, uh, like there was the movie uh, uh, The Crucifixion of Christ, where she was nothing but a a whore, a harlot, when in fact uh, she became uh, the most beloved to Jesus. And uh, she was a special person over and above her uh, period of time when she was a courtesan. Uh, But uh, there's a passage I want to read where she makes amends to the disciples that were all men except for her. And uh, it helps me to understand uh, a little bit more about why she wasn't part of the, uh, the ministry that happened later on and one of the leaders of the, of the early Christianity. Uh, and here's what she says. To all the disciples, I make amends. I mocked you all, disdained you all. When Jesus was alive, I thought you weak. When he was dead, I thought you full of self-deceit. Who have I been to judge? Judge not so that ye may not be judged. Lord, I have sinned. I have sinned the sins of pride, of vanity, of judgment. And so these are things that apply to all of us. Yes. But really, as a man, I feel uh, it saddens me that uh, through this patriarchal epic of this past 2,000 years, uh, Mary Magdalene was maligned and women were put down, she has a symbol of that, except, of course, Mother Mary was uh, elevated as uh, the Virgin Mary. But uh, she, she was the most beloved of Jesus. And so it should have been part of the uh, Bible. In fact, there was a book in the early Bible uh, devoted to Mary Magdalene, and it did describe her as the most beloved of Jesus. And so this would have given uh, women an equal standing with the men who were the disciples. And I feel that that's what was deservedly the right thing for Mary Magdalene, but it did not happen. And it's, it's to our loss that it did not happen, because right. that would have elevated women in general and perhaps helped uh, women to be seen more as equals earlier on. Yes, we have a caller, Helen from California. <clears throat> Hello? Hi, Helen. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. This is such a provocative perspective. I'm wondering if 
the listeners or James or anyone, I mean, or listeners or the guests found themselves having their own reactivity to the story? And if so, what did they learn from that? Fabulous question. Thank you. Did, a, did any of uh, our guests have a reaction to the story? By the way, it's not all about Jesus and the crucifixion. There's a, a lot in this book of just about Mary Magdalene and her prior life that help you to see her as uh, having had her own spirituality before she met him. But this is a, certainly a good topic since we're on Christmas. Uh, yes, so uh, Annette or Lynn, did either of you have a reaction to the book? I'd, I'd like to say something. I, you know, I went into the book exactly like Mary thought that I would from the beginning by thinking, you'd better tell me the truth and this better be accurate if you're <laughs> claiming to be the autobiography of Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. So I, I went into it with resistance to believing what she had to say. Mm-hmm. But as I read more and more, I could relate, you know, to, to what happened in her life. Yeah. And was able to let go of, you know, having a hard fact or have it be true or have it be real, but just to have it be the story of a woman. Mm-hmm. And then the other reaction I kept having in the book, which made me laugh, was she... She keeps saying, I'm going to tell you secrets about Jesus. And I keep thinking, yes, yes, tell me more about Jesus. <laughs> Instead of, you know, wanting to know more about her, I want to know more about the secrets of Jesus, the oh, dirty my. little secrets. Uh-huh. And it wasn't anything like that. No, it was nothing like that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, she strung is... you along. Yeah, yes, she did. Uh, this is not... Uh... Uh, a book for the National Enquirer. Um, no. Annette, what about you? Did you have uh, any kind of reaction to this book? I definitely did. I think her journey, um, which we spoke about, of being real, of her relationship with her family, her mother, her her father, her brothers, and how she ends up being you know, out in the world alone at a very young age. And um, her all her experiences she goes through. I had a lot of resistance because there's so many emotions that she goes through in the book and I could feel them so deeply. She tells them so um, clearly. Mm -hmm. It's as if you are there. Mm -hmm. And you can um, just really feel a lot of her, her times where she did have a lot of pain and torment and sadness. And um, it, that was difficult for me to connect to again and again. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the whole picture of her life, um, she, as, you, as James had spoken, she had a lot of accomplishments for a woman at that time period as well. And she did um, really grow and evolve as a woman. But there's there was a lot of sadness in her life, and um, yeah, starting with her relationship with her mother, yes, you know, who basically told her to put up with her lot as being a woman and having no value, uh, you know, not being important to God. And I I would like to say that one of the themes that runs through this book is just that 
that she, um, you know, she grew up in a time where women had uh, no value. And, for instance, early on in the book, she says, um, I thirsted for conversation and ideas. I, too, wished to talk to the Almighty and be heard by him. I despise to be unseen, to have to spit to get, gain his attention. She's talking about uh, how the men were dominant in the religion at the time and that, you know, the, the Almighty had no uh, time for her. And this is what she was being taught. Uh, she said, sometimes I would ask my mother, do you think the Lord of the universe is listening, is watching? Do you think we could converse? And she would shrug her shoulders and continue to grind grain. The Lord... God, King of the Universe, is busy listening to the men, and the Lord God is busy watching the children. And you, my dear, are almost 12 and not a child anymore, nor are you a man, so he's neither listening nor watching, but getting impatient because you're scalding the milk and ruining the dinner. (laughs) And she says, at 12 years old, I ran away. Do you blame me? And then she has a kind of a heartbreaking story about what happened uh, to her. So I'd like to let people know if they are interested in getting this book, you can get it at um, through coming to my website, bethgreen.org, and you can get information about how to get the book. I think it's carried on Amazon and Lulu, and you can get it from the stream.org. But I believe if you go to my website, bethgreen.org, uh, you will have information about the book if you're interested before we go to our next and last commercial break, would you believe, uh, I'd like you guys to be thinking about what you would like to share with us as we come towards the last uh, third of our program. I'd like you to tell us about uh, the retreat and the Healing Arts Theater. I also am wondering if Mary is going to show up and who's going to ask her. So... Uh, does someone have uh, a- I would like to put that request in right now. Yes. Mary Magdalene, would you please come and share with us? I think she will. Um, I do indeed. So um, why don't we go to commercial break and come back, and you guys can tell us about the retreat, and then we can uh, call in Mary Magdalene. So don't go away. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. 
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. This is... Our last opportunity to meet the real Mag- Mary Magdalene, or a different Mary Magdalene, I should say. And uh, James made a specific request of that Mary show up, and I think she is here. And um, so we'd like to feel free to ask her questions. Are you here, Mary? I am. Thank you for having me on the program. Now, if you think that sounds like Beth, it's because it's my voice, but it's not Beth. It's <laughs> it's Mary. So, Mary, uh, would you please begin? by reading to us, uh, picking up from the part that James was reading about, oh, Lord, I have sinned, I have sinned the sins. Um, I, I feel very drawn for you to start with that point, if you don't mind. Though I would be delighted. Uh, although I feel like I have really surpassed that moment uh, tremendously since you took my dictation that night, I have... Uh, really changed, and there's been a lot of movement, but I would be happy to read this. Uh, Lord, I have sinned. I have sinned the sins of pride, of vanity, of judgment. As I face my death, God, I ask you to forgive me for the sins that I committed knowingly. I ask you to forgive me for the sins that I committed unknowingly. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I committed from weakness. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I committed from negligence. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I committed from fear. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I committed from shame. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I committed from loneliness. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I committed from the pain of my anger and the anger of my pain. I am leaving the earth, but now I know that I will return. I feel within the earth the stirrings of a new vision, and I want to be part of that destiny. God, more maligned than I, more abandoned, more desecrated, and more in need, I commit myself to the healing of my heart. I commit myself to the healing of my soul. I commit myself to the healing of you and of our earth. Be with me, as I commit to be with you. Stand by me, as I commit to stand with you. Walk with me, as I commit to walk with you. God, I forgive, and I ask your forgiveness. Amen. Well, thank you, Mary. Every time I read that or hear that, I'm still touched because I feel so deeply connected to what what you have written here. I was, um, do you, do you still feel that there is a new destiny for the earth? And, uh, as you said, I feel within the earth the stirrings of a new vision and I want to be part of that destiny. Do you still feel that that is true? Absolutely. In fact, I feel that we are already beginning to see the manifestation 
of that new vision and that new destiny. But it's difficult to see because it is made up of tiny threads. So if you are looking at a tapestry and you are right on top of it and you're seeing the details of each thread, that is like each day of your life or even each year, and you're not seeing the big picture. And so it is for us, we are seeing the reds and the greens and the blues and the threads and the harshness and the pain and the despairs and the love and the moments of joy and happiness. But you're not seeing the big picture because your eyes are right on the minutiae and the details of that tapestry. By the way, Lynn, uh, Annette, James, please feel free to ask Mary any questions while she's here. I thought that was a very telling comment that you made, Mary, about that we're so on top of the, our days and our months and our weeks and our years that it's hard for us to see the big vision and the big picture, not just for ourselves, for our, but for our planet. Absolutely. When you um, are afar, you actually see colors. You see, when you look at the earth, you see colors, just like you do in tapestries, and they create patterns, but they don't create patterns that are familiar to the human eye. And so even if you were to step back, most mostly I would say that no one on the earth who is living in inhuman form could actually make out the patterns. Do any of you uh, people have a question for Mary? James, I, you, yes, Lynn. Yes, I have a question. So, Mary, in your book, you talked a lot about your relationships with men uh, in the brothel and the men uh, surrounding Jesus and about Jesus, but you don't talk much about your relationships with women. Well, so I I'm did, wondering if you talk a little bit more about that. Well, I did speak, thank you, I did speak about my relationship with Miriam, with whom I shared the tent in the brothel, and uh, the pain of the, and love that uh, was in that relationship, and the pain that she carried within herself. And I spoke about Aziba, who was my spiritual teacher, uh, who brought me into a higher level of self-love. But you are correct that in general... I don't speak about the relationships that I had with women. And I, of course, I did speak about that, uh, the terrible incident in the house of that, uh, uh, wealthy man when I was, uh, entrusted with those girls. But you see, I think that as you bring this question up, uh, my dear Lynn, uh, that there was a lot of pain in my relationship with women, that I felt, uh, less than, the children that I was commissioned to take care of, um, I felt that I was uh, on an equal level with the rest of the women who were kind of the scum of the earth who lived in the brothels as I did. And I felt alienated from the women who took on the roles of being the devoted mother and sister and the traditional roles, as well as feeling alienated from the women who, like my mother, were so willing to accept their fate. And I was very alone in my consciousness. I am not going to pretend that, in fact, I was the only one 
who had these thoughts and feelings. I mean, this was so much the power of meeting Aziva was to meet a strong, powerful woman. But even she had a kind of a negative view of men and wanted to use them as well. And I struggled inside myself with a love-hate relationship with men, but very much wanting, as Aziva did, to express myself as an autonomous being and there wasn't a lot of space for that in the society and so I believe that I kept myself aloof from women and sought appreciation and love from men and I'm, I would not be surprised if that were not true with many women even today yes I agree with that I have a question I'd like to ask yes uh, <clears throat> after Jesus died uh, the question arose, who would be the leader of the disciples? Who would carry the mantle of leadership? And uh, you were the most beloved of Jesus as his close uh, mate, in a way. And I'm wondering why uh, you did not become more involved in the leadership of that carrying on of Jesus' teachings. Well, I did for a while, if you remember. I... Um I did uh, try to work with the women, uh, but you see, at first, I was so crushed by uh, the crucifixion and by the loss of my beloved um, that I was not really able uh, to do very much. Uh, Peter was the one who left into action. He was the one who was uh, gathering people. And until we left and we went to the uh, to the caves um, in southern Europe, uh, you know, he was very active. But there was also another fact, which I'm sure you can appreciate, which was that in the society they were not looking to a woman. In fact, during Jesus' life. I was not really invited to participate as a peer, and there was a lot of resentment and suspicion. Uh, there was also the fear of uh, any women being participants in that deep way because the men were uh, living this little you know, tribe of you know, the brotherhood, the good old boys club. So there wasn't a lot of space in that, and I did make some effort to work with women afterwards. But uh, the life had gone out of me, James. I was yes. a shell of, of a person, and and then of course I I went and I uh, you know I had this other baby and uh, and she died and it was uh, it, I I didn't have the capacity to really come back until now. Yes, I understand. Anyone else have a question for Mary? I do, Mary. I remember in reading your book that you shared that if you came back to the earth that you would like to, and I'm paraphrasing it, but I do remember you saying that you'd like to have like an ordinary life Mm -hmm. and have ordinary attachments to people and things and maybe a like a different sort of life why why did that why was that so appealing to you 
Well, thank you for asking me that, Annette. I, I think actually those feelings have passed for me, but I did feel them then. I wanted to have some peace. I wanted, at least in my mind, I, I wanted to have a mate who would not be roaming around uh, aggravating people and uh, provoking people and being out late organizing people and uh, being so caught up in his own destiny that he didn't have that much time or energy for me or for what I was going through. You know, he, he was very much the center of our coupleness. And um, so I, you know, I wanted to have that. And I, I, you know, I looked at other women and I thought, oh my God, wouldn't it be wonderful to just have a, a more ordinary life. But you know, as I sit here today, I know that I would never be satisfied with that either. Mm. And so, oh well. Oh, thank you, Mary. I see we have a caller, Erica from San Diego. Hello. Hello, Erica. We just have a few moments, so please, uh, yeah. a quick question. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late to the show today, and so this may be, I hope it's not a repetitive question, that... Um, Mary, that you're back in in a sense for a short while with us. I'm wondering uh, what you are seeing in terms of women's evolution and uh, a direction you may have for us at this time. Oh, Erica, that's such a very good question. So much. I mean, I don't even need to tell you how different life is for women today. And, um, I I know that Lynn is going to be speaking in a moment about a women's retreat that uh, that you are going to plan and uh, where you're going to be basing it on this book. But I would say to every woman out there, don't use any excuses anymore. The freedom that you have compared to what we had is so phenomenal. No excuses. I don't care how tough it is. Go out there, make your contribution, be your own person. Lynn, would you like to share something about the upcoming retreat? We are having uh, the Women Getting Real with Women group in the stream is having a retreat January 19th at Streamhaven. And we're going to be doing a Healing Arts Theater production of Mary Magdalene. And we're going to talk about our reactions to her life, how those uh, affect us personally, and, of course, doing healing around that. It's it's going to be very exciting. It's a new format for us. And, uh, and welcome, how can people, everybody. How can people participate? They can go to the stream.org, and you can go to the Women Getting Real with Women page on that website and sign up. Well, but that people can do it via Skype. Yes, they can do that also. Yes, they if they're local to the area, to the San Diego area, L.A. area, they can go to the stream center. And But if not, they can still participate. Yes, uh, and it, it's really just like being there. But that's wonderful. I'm very glad to hear that. And one word about the Healing Arts Theater, and then I have to go to James and ask him to introduce our next show. Uh, Annette, would you like to say something about the theater? It's a great experience for those who participate in it and those who watch it. It's a real chance to uh, have a healing experience. And it tends to be a great, it really breaks the walls down of audience and performer. And it becomes a very inclusive kind of theater. 
And it, it does um, have a remarkable impact of healing. Usually. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure it will again. Thank you yes. so much for being on the show. I can't believe that the show is over. James, we have less than a minute. Please tell us about our next show. Yes. Our next edition of Inside Out will be Making the New Year New, Predictions, Hopes, and Commitments by You and the Gang at Inside Out. For a fun way to start the new year, join the gang at Inside Out for a bunch of laughs, reminiscences, predictions, and commitments. We'll hear from the hilarious Madame Mazurka and the lofty guru. That's Alter Egos, as well as Beth and James as we look to 2013 and forward to 2014. Look back to 2013 and forward to 2014. So let's hear from you. Let's get real about the year that's passed and look forward to the year to come and see what we can do to make this the best year ever. And also to get out our crystal balls and get a sense of what's up and have fun uh, talking about it all. So join the gang next time, and uh, we hope that uh, you'll have a happy new year. Yes, and thank you so much to the guests and to Mary Magdalene for showing up. My heart feels very warm today. We wish you all a very happy holiday, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or just the fact that you're still alive. So thank you for joining us in this special program, and do let your friends know about it so they can enjoy it, too. We'll see you next week. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thank you.